as what is likely the last Sunday of the regular season before your fantasy football playoff nearly comes to an end. We've got the Eagles and the Cowboys doing battle in Savannah football, which means it's time for the good, the bad, and the box score. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. What is up, everybody? Wyatt here for your Sunday recap from JWB Fantasy Football. To all the returning viewers, we love and appreciate you so much. For all the new viewers out there, if you enjoy this content, please like and subscribe. It would mean the absolute world to us. A few notes before I get into everything. When I mention Fantasy Points, I'll be talking about half PPR. That's what we work off of. Also, the season is going to be ending soon. We've basically just got the playoffs there's less takeaways from really what's happening here. We're really just preparing for that last push to get to the playoffs. A lot of things have already been figured out at this point. It's more like these little nuances that are happening to help us, you know, finalize those playoff lineups, make that playoff push. But first things first, I got to get into the weekly injuries section because we got some doozies this Sunday. First off for the Texans, Nico Collins and CJ Stroud. Collins has a calf strain, it seems. Uh, he could miss multiple weeks because of the strain. I mean, possibly, like, he might miss the fantasy playoffs. And that's just a, such a huge knock for our teams who was having a really good year and was, you know, obviously the one, number one in that offense without Tank Dell. And also C.J. Stroud, concussion protocol. We don't know if he'll be able to be back next week, even if he does. Or even if he is, he's likely to be without Nico Collins. Like, I think C.J. Stroud can still be a top 12 QB without Nico. Uh, just because he's so good. Uh, hopefully they get uh, Dalton Schultz back next week as well. But not good news over there for the Texans. Next, we've got Justin Jefferson. After Justin Jefferson takes all the time he needs to make sure he can come back from his hamstring injury properly, he gets nailed in the ribs uh, very early on, comes out of the game, has a possible rib fracture now. Uh, he might not be on our teams for the fantasy playoffs either really really sad to see we know the implications of that for the vikings though obviously that means more for tj hawkinson and jordan addison and we'll get into the qb there a little bit later justin herbert broke another finger on his throwing hand uh he's gonna go get x-ray see how bad it is it's an, his index finger which really matters um it's possible he could be missing next week it wouldn't be a surprise if he does a huge blow for teams heading to the playoffs if you survived him barely playing this game. And then Alexander Madison has a possible high ankle sprain, which means, you know, he could miss all of fantasy playoffs as well. Now, Alexander Madison, he, the last few weeks as Ty Chandler's gotten more of that offense, he's really just been more of like a RB3 flex, but this is really impactful because if he does miss this time, Ty Chandler played 83% of the snaps after Alexander Madison went down in this game. I would expect him to handle a like, large portion of the workload for the Minnesota running backs. And that means Ty Chandler now could be an RB2 for us in the fantasy playoffs. All right, let's get to the best and worst performances of the day. As a reminder, this is not just who scored the most fantasy points, although that is a big factor here. It is also what were the most important performances. So starting off with the best, we've got the first good performance, Zach Wilson. Who would have thought Zach Wilson would be in this section at any point this year? But he played really well today against the Texans in a bad weather game, mind you. He was 27-36 to 36 for 301, two touchdowns, no interceptions, ran for 12 yards, did lose a fumble, but still 19.24 fantasy points today. Just 
probably the best game he's ever played. It's such a weird like path to get here, you know, getting benched, whatnot. Then apparently like the, the report came out that when they approached him about coming back to be the starter, he said he didn't want to, and then he changed his mind. He came back, but he played really well here. And, you know, it meant great things for the weapons there. The two that we care about the most, Garrett Wilson, he had 14 targets, nine catches, 108 yards. And then Brees Hall, 10 carries, 40 yards. And then, hey, he had nine targets. He caught eight of them, 86 yards and a touchdown. Huge day for Brees Hall. Like, I'm not expecting to get that kind of output from Zach Wilson every week. But, hey, if Zach Wilson all of a sudden maybe figures it out a little bit, like he's he could be better than what Tim Boyle was. He was probably better than Tim what Tim Boyle was previously. Uh, it's, you know, as long as they can he can continue to feed Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, we're going to be happy. Next good performance, Cooper Cup. He must have heard me on the last week's uh, episode of this show where I mentioned how like it, it seemed like a lot of the explosiveness explosiveness of his was gone. And I wasn't really sure like what the ceiling was for him anymore as it seemed like he was just getting some really short underneath stuff and not able to do as much with it. But today proved me wrong. 10 targets, eight catches, 115 yards and a touchdown, 21.5 fantasy points led them in targets. Well, tied the lead targets with Demarcus Robinson of all people, but still 10 targets for Cooper cup. Great stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, he's back on that fringe wide receiver one radar now after this performance. Uh, you know, you still have to have a proceed with like a little bit of caution just because Puka Nakua is still there. He's still doing his thing. And like we did see that long stretch of not great performances. So like just a slight bit of hesitancy moving forward with Cooper Cup. But this is exciting to see heading into the playoffs. And then Drake London, the last good performance I've got here. 11 targets, 10 catches, 172 yards for 22.2 fantasy points. A lot of this had to do with the matchup going against the Buccaneers who just continuously allow 100-yard receivers. They've allowed one in three of the last four games. The only one they didn't allow it to were the Panthers, which, of course, the Panthers didn't get one because that makes sense. They're pretty bad. But Drake London, really talented player. It's only a matter of that passing offense. What's it doing with the quarterback there? Today, Drake uh, Desmond Ritter against the Buccaneers was able to produce for his receivers. We know that Drake London's really good. It's just a matter of if he's getting the volume in the offense and if the QB play is adequate and he can perform on that. Uh, hopefully this is a step in the right direction for the offense as a whole as a passing offense. I've mentioned many times in this show, I don't care. Like, I mean, obviously we have to take note of when a team does well against a bad defense, but we should also think like t- offenses being able to do that, you know, it helps build consistency for the offense, helps build confidence for the offense. And that's good. All right. Worst performances of the day. The first bad one I've got here is Jared Goff. 20-35, 161 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, just 10.44 fantasy points against the Chicago Bears today. Got to give some credit to the Chicago Bears, who have honestly been playing pretty good defense as of late. But Goff and the Lions are one of these offenses that we looked at that's like they can have offensive success really no matter the the matchup, no matter the game. And that was just not the case today for Jared Goff, who really struggled. And that led to some really bad performances for Amara St. Brown and Sam Laporta. Amara, nine targets, three catches, only 21 yards. Laporta, six targets, only two catches, 23 yards. Like there are a lot of teams out there who are losing right now because they got these really bad performances out of the Lions. Now, Jameer Gibbs got there with a touchdown. Dave Montgomery didn't quite get there. Kind of got over 10, got over 10 points because he got some receptions, but not the offensive performances we were looking for from the Lions offense. Next bad one, Mike Evans. 
Six targets, one catch, eight yards. That's it. <laughs> 1.3 fantasy points. I mean, it was kind of bound to happen. Wide receivers, it doesn't really, basically doesn't matter how good you are. There's going to be a down week or two across your season. Uh, Mike Evans just came today. He's been absolutely money all season long. This performance doesn't change that for me. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not going to worry about this one. You just have to chalk it up to all wide receivers have a down week like this. Like basically the, there's only so many Justin Jefferson and Cooper cup seasons that have seasons pass where they just don't have a single bad game, you know, like 95% of wide receivers are going to have a bad game like this across the season. Last bad performance of the day for me is Stefan Diggs. 11 targets, four catches, 24 yards, 4.4 fancy points. Similar to Mike Evans. I'm not too concerned about a bad performance like this because it happens to all wide receivers, but it is worth mentioning in three out of his last four games, Stefan Diggs has 34 or less receiving yards. Now, like all wide receivers, you can have down periods of time. I mean, in these games was sandwiched a game where he had 70 plus yards and a touchdown and he was completely fine. But it is worth mentioning because these last few weeks, this bill, Bill's offense has changed a little bit after, after Ken Dorsey got fired. A lot more of the running backs were seeing involved. Really, the ball's kind of being spread around a little bit more. And, you know, Stefan Diggs not quite getting there. He got the targets, though, in this game. And that's why you can, like, look at this and go, like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, knock him too bad for this because he still got the 11 targets so he can follow the volume and know that more often than not, when Stefan Diggs gets, gets 11 targets, he's going to give you a really good week. All right. Last section, as always, the weekly notes where I find the other little bits of information I could find through, looking through these box scores, finding the really important stuff. First one I've got here is Chase Brown is making an impact. These last two games, he's really started to show out for the Bengals. And in this one, he had a really big play. Uh, first, he had eight carries for 25 yards, but then three targets, caught three of them, all three of them, 80 yards and a touchdown, had the big touchdown catch down the sideline, really showing his speed and explosion, which separates him from Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon still a reliable running back, but he doesn't really have the explosiveness like he used to have as a rookie. Chase Brown has it in spades. He actually hit what I believe was the second highest recorded miles per hour this season on his touchdown catch. Uh, 18 fantasy points today. He played 30% of the snaps. This is more than any backup running back has been doing behind Joe Mixon. This is really good to see for Chase Brown. Good to see the explosiveness out there on the field. He could possibly be a factor for the fantasy playoffs. He definitely needs to be on, on a bench in every single league. He should be rostered without a doubt. And, you know, in Dynasty, like, You've probably, if you drafted Chase Brown, your rookie drafts, you've probably just been holding on to him this whole time. But this is great news because it's possible that Joe Mixon could be gone next year and it could be Chase Brown's backfield. Next one I've got here is Joe Flacco keeps rolling. In his second game for the Browns, Joe Flacco goes 26 of 45, 311 yards, three touchdowns and interception. Did lose a fumble uh, for 20.3 fantasy points on the way to the Browns getting a victory. Uh, it's just a really good day for Joe Flacco. He looked good especially in play action. Um, Joe Flacco's a really good play action quarterback, and Stefanski does a great, great job of drawing up those play action plays for the Browns offense. The first touch on the day they had on a short um, short down distance play where they were in play action, and Joku just ran completely free for the first touchdown. Um, Joe Flacco's just commanding the offense. Looks spry. He's got a really good arm still, and it meant really good things for the weapons there. Mari Cooper had 14 targets, caught seven of them for 77 yards. David Njoku 
had eight targets, caught six of them, 91 yards and two touchdowns. Just an absolutely fantastic day for Njoku. I do have to note, though, Elijah Moore. There's a lot of hype for Elijah Moore going on coming into this week after he had 12 targets last week, had all these air yards. There's a connection going back between him and Flacco going back to the days with the Jets last year. But I tweeted out before the game started, it's worth noting that before Amari Cooper's injury in last week's game, Elijah Moore only had one target. So maybe we should pump the brakes. And today's game, six targets, three catches, 42 yards. Is he still somewhat on the flex radar? Yeah, but like pump the brakes on the Elijah Moore love. Amari Cooper is the wide receiver one in this offense. And a lot of times that second target is going to be David Njoku. Next one, the Bears running backs. So we finally got all three Bears running backs healthy at the same time again. And we kind of got to see how it was going to shake out. Uh, and it was really hard to kind of predict. In the last game we saw there was no Devonta Foreman or Deonta Foreman, and we saw Roshan Johnson take a bigger hold of that backfield. And it was curious, would they have Deonta Foreman come back and take a bigger part of that role again with Roshan Johnson being the rookie and the future? How much would they give to him? Well, Deonta Foreman came right back to being the guy as their one-two back and really just kind of their running back in general. He had 11 carries, 50 yards. Actually, also had three targets, caught two of them for 22 yards. He played 56% of the snaps. Roshan played... 27% of the snaps. He was a second running back in snaps, but only had one carry for six yards, though he did play 11 of 14 third downs, which I think we're starting to see this clear situation here now where we've got Foreman as the one-two back, Roshan Johnson playing on third downs and mixing in a little bit, and then Khalil Herbert is holding up the rear. He only played 17% of the snaps, did get three carries on those snaps for eight yards, but it obviously looks like Khalil Herbert is third in line at this point. Uh, so we can kind of count on Deonta Foreman being like an RB3 flex with that in mind. And then Roshan Johnson is an RB4, you know, just depth piece, but should be rostered everywhere. And Khalil Herbert, honestly, it can be dropped at this point. Kenneth Walker versus Zach Charbonnet. Going on to some more running backs here. Uh, so both coming into this game a little bit banged up, but both played. Kenneth Walker, eight carries, 21 yards, five targets, four catches, 33 yards. Not exactly what we expected to see Kenneth Walker getting the targets here. 7.4 fantasy points, not that much, obviously. Played 58% of the snaps. This was a tough matchup against the 49ers rush defense. Then we got Zach Charbonnet, nine carries, 44 yards, only one target, one catch, four yards for 5.3 fantasy points on 40% snaps. But those targets... You know, five for Kenneth Walker, only one for Charbonnet. That's a little bit of variance, I would say, because Charbonnet played nine of 11 third downs in this game. So we can see the delineation of these roles in this offense. Kenneth Walker on the first second downs, Charbonnet on the third downs and mixing in. Next one, Joshua Dobbs gets benched. So in this game, Joshua Dobbs came into it kind of on a hot seat as he had that really bad game the week prior against the Bears. And he continued to be bad in this game. 10 and 23 for only 63 yards. Sacked five times in just over three quarters. Eventually gets benched for Nick Mullins, who came in for him. Um, I really don't know what they're going to do moving forward. You're going to have to keep an eye on this. I would guess since they kind of were like already thinking about benching Joshua Dobbs going into the game and then benching during this game, they'll probably move to just Nick Mullins moving forward. 
but we're just going to have to monitor it. Uh, it's it's not looking good. That that magic that Joshua Dobbs had looks to be gone. This matchup against the Raiders, I mean, it's not an easy one, but it's not a difficult one, I would say. Um, just really unfortunate to see because he was really helping some teams who were struggling to find a QB, and he ended up like possibly being a savior for them. And then now we've got this where you can't count on him at all. And honestly, this is hurting, really hurting the weapons there for the Vikings. If Nick Mullins plays, uh, we've seen him have some success uh, before with the 49ers. I wouldn't expect him to play like he did then, but like at least we we know that we can like distribute the ball decently well. Um, and there's be more pass attempts if he's the QB, as you know, some pass attempts turn into runs with Joshua Dobbs. All those are, will stick to being pass attempts. Some checkdowns there for Ty Chandler moving forward. Last one I've got here, Rasheed Rice keeps rolling. 10 targets, 7 catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown for 16.7 fantasy points. Over the last three games, he now has target totals of 10, 9, and 10. And during those games, he's got 15.9 points per game. It was really only a matter of time, I would say, before Rasheed Rice really became that solidified wide receiver one for the Chiefs that he's now done for these past three weeks. Uh, it's pretty obvious that every other wide receiver for the Chiefs uh, is way too inconsistent and just not talented enough. And Rasheed Rice, at least, is really good in short in the short and intermediate and after the catch, what they've just continued to use him as. Um, and really, as long as this continues, it's hard to keep. It's going to be hard to keep him out of top twenty-four wide receivers moving forward. Uh, really, if you just like look at what he's been doing in the last three games, that's closer to wide receiver one status, uh, at least like fringe wide receiver one status. So I'm sure he'll be in my top 24 wide receivers. Um, you'll see that on the wide receiver weekly ranking show that I do every single week. So keep an eye out for that. But yeah, really excited for Rishi Rice for these fantasy playoffs. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Good, the Bad, the Box Score. As I said in the beginning, if you're not subscribed yet, please do so. It would mean the absolute world to us. We're on our way to our goal of 2,500 subscribers by the end of the year. And if you could help us get there, that means so much. Uh, if you'd like to follow JWB on Twitter, you can do so at JWB fancy football or JWB underscore FF. You can follow me on Twitter at YB underscore FF. All of our content, JWB fantasy football.com. We're also on every platform uh, on all their social platforms. We're there too. Instagram, all that TikTok. Uh, and then lastly, in the description of this video, link to our free Discord, link to our Patreon for all of our bonus content. Uh, sign up to Underdog with Code JWB for a first-time deposit match up to $100 if you want to get down on some of these best ball drafts. I appreciate all of you so much. I'll see you next time.